Hello and welcome to another episode of the Falkirk Community Trust, Trust Us podcast. A fun look at sport and physical activity. Your hosts today are myself, Pete McDougall, and my active schools colleague, Ennis Patterson. This week we are delighted to be joined by ex-professional footballer who has played for the likes of Hibs, St Johnston, Arsenal and of course Falkirk. It's Patrick Craig. Patrick, we'd be delighted if you could kick off the show just by telling us a little bit about your career. I moved to England when I was 16 to pursue a career in, in football and um, was lucky enough to go and sign for Arsenal at 16. I signed professionally for them at 17 and um, was there for just under four years and then I moved to Scotland um, to Falkirk, um, Hibs, uh, St. Mirren then went back down to England to play League One for Berry, who unfortunately now um, aren't, well, they're not in the Football League due to, I don't know whether they're even a club anymore. Um, and then came back up, played for St. Johnston, and then I played in Ireland for two and a half seasons for Shamrock Rovers and a half a season at St. Pat's. So that's basically the the gist of me playing career and then sorry no went back over sorry and play, I played part time for Forfa and Montrose which was one of the one of the best times of my career at Montrose even though it was part time so uh, apologies that I left that part out because that was a massive part of my life What made that such a special club for you Patrick? Uh, just I suppose it was at Forfa very good people at, at Forfar as well. I'd sort of just made up my mind that um, I was going to try educate myself and, and play part-time because I think I was 23 at the time. Um, coming up to 23 and I was like, I need to start thinking about after. Just when I went to Montrose, just the culture and the environment they had there and just the lads, it's just a special group uh, of people and how the manager is assistant, Ross, um, and the other staff there, just how they've created it, just a great dressing room to be in, considering it was part-time as well, um, just a special place. And I think you can see by the success that for the last couple of years are longer, they've been punching above the, themselves, and I think that'll continue as long as the manager and Ross and the sort of core... Uh, core members of the squad are there. You mentioned Arsenal back in your sort of younger years. What was it like being in that squad and being around those kind of players and in that environment? Yeah, it's... When I'm asked about this, I always say it's something we don't actually really think about or talk about it's like a different life um, at the time I don't know you didn't really think any differently like if you see in Vier or the top players are, are training with them I suppose you you might go all well but I suppose you sort of thought you were meant to be there as well and um, now ultimately I wasn't good enough but um, 
no, he, it wasn't like you woke up every morning and pinched yourself. Do you know, it was just, you, you expected to be there, if that makes sense. Um, you just became the norm. That's probably a better way of putting it. It wasn't like, oh, well, I'm at Arsenal or I've signed professional for Arsenal. Or I'm training with the force team. It's just, it just became the sort of the norm. And then ultimately the other side of it, when it gets to the, the point of realizing that maybe like you're a, you're a level below this um, at, at the end. Because um, it's that, they were all world-class, littered with world-class players. Do you think that's why they were so good? Because everyone was made to feel, you know, this is just how it, this is just how it is. This is just what they expect. Uh, ah, they were very good because they had the best, some of the best players in the world that applied themselves, and they had a togetherness, obviously, throughout the club, um, and a very intelligent man who was able. His recruitment was phenomenal. Um, and ultimately, they had the best players in England at the time that were prepared to work hard. And that's you'll get success if you're you're better than the opposition and you work hard. I think they raised the bar probably, um, and then United obviously came back, um, and then probably Chelsea under Mourinho raised the bar again. <laughs> What was Wenger like to work with as a coach? Uh, I'm sure you kind of taken up your position as a coach now. You must, even as a young man back then, you must have picked up a lot from someone his kind of experience. Uh, yeah, like oh, I was fortunate enough to play and travel with the force team and train with them. So um, I suppose the main thing you'd probably take uh, from it is that he wasn't impulsive. Um, now I'm not saying I knew the man extremely well, I didn't, but any sort of dealings I had with him, he was just calm and calculated in, in everything he'd done. And I suppose that's probably the the big thing you'd uh, take from him. It's just he was just a nice he was a nice man, you know. Um mm-hmm. treated people with respect. There was no ego with him, even though like a lot of the lads there that were in the U team, the reserves and that they were never going to make it in his first team. But any dealings you had with him, he was articulate um, and just a nice man. There was no, wouldn't think he was he was better than anyone. Um, he chatted he, he, he you like on a human level, which is admirable for someone. Well, it's not admirable, actually. It's the way you should treat people. But uh, some people that are successful mightn't be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Patrick, we're going to fast forward a wee bit to your time with Falkirk. Um, a lot of our listeners will be Falkirk fans. Um, and you played over 100 games for the club uh, during what would be viewed as a, a largely successful time for the club. Um, can you tell us a bit about your time there, some of the characters you played with, um, maybe your relationship with the fans and, and the town itself? Uh, yeah, no, I loved my time there. Probably four to 18 months of that. I probably had a very strong mindset and probably was very mentally strong coming from from Arsenal um, and then probably saw different things in my life um, I probably my level probably dropped and 
probably the last sort of wasn't as consistent um, then. Uh, but no, great lads. It was a good group. Obviously, Jack Ross has gone on to become um, a manager. Um, Dean Holden, an assistant manager. Uh, so, Darren Barr, I think, is an assistant manager as well. So, um, And then you'd obviously Yogi, who sort of led the whole thing. And, like, there was unique. Um, I'd gone from a real controlled, calm environment um, to, like, it was more sort of, like, Yogi'd sort of make a man of you, um, didn't mince his words, said how it was. Um, again, just a great person. Um, and someone who 100% should be in football, I actually think it's a crime um, that he's not. I, I just can't get my head around it, how he is not managing in Scottish football. He's just, his passion, his enthusiasm um, just rubs off. Um, he was very demanding uh, of the lads, uh, but also had the other side where he, he's actually quite very funny. Um, he's like, I remember I've told this story before when I signed um, and I came up and came and picked me up from the airport and we're coming back. And there was another gentleman in the car with us, and I'm in the back, and he pulls over on the motorway and he goes, Oh, I think I have a flat tyre. Can you get out and check? So I, I get out and check the the tyre and he speeds off on me. I was like, ah, here, what is going on? And then he pulls over probably 100 yards into the boy lane. I'm having to run up to him. Um, and then I get open the door and he's, he's uh, breaking his heart laughing. Um, and I was like, ah, here, like, what is this? In my head, I was thinking. Um, but that was just his, his way of breaking the ice with me as well. And just the funny side of him. Um, then obviously when we started training that you seen the how serious he was and how uh, thorough and professional he was. Just just a a man of a, a lot of respect for You've mentioned there a few of the of the managers and coaches you've played for I guess a big part of the Active Schools programme is developing young coaches and putting them on that coach pathway. It's probably not an easy question, but what do you think makes a good coach? What makes a good manager? Um, yeah, no, it's, it, it is a good question, but the only thing is I don't have the experience to, to answer that at this moment. I'm just on my own sort of journey what, and what I've learned from the playing side is people that can communicate communicate with our players um, cannot make it about themselves don't have an ego um, and put the, the player first ultimately as a coach you're trying to teach people and you're trying to get them a mindset of wanting to improve needing to improve and how you communicate that to them is, uh, is, is very important and I feel the best people I worked under were able to treat you as a human but also demand from you and be able to tell you that ultimately it's about getting better um, as a player and then as the coach been able to get the players to be receptive and, and buy into the, the importance of, of it 
um, of wanting to improve. Now, this is at an elite level, obviously, then, if you take it back to grassroots, um, I've coached at grassroots level as well. First and foremost, it's about making sure the people there love it. And then if they love it, they'll be receptive. And they need to enjoy it. Enjoyment. Because if they enjoy it, they'll end up loving it. And then when they love it, they'll be receptive and you can coach them. But if the enjoyment isn't there forced, you can't coach them because then it's just, they're not going to be receptive because it's a, it's a time killer for them or maybe their parents are dropping them off and it's not their passion. When you can show them how enjoyable football is or any sport that they want to do, then the love comes after that. And then once they have the love for it, you've cracked it in terms of being able to 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 educate them and, and try and prove them. Um, I'm not saying I, I'm good enough to improve, but if the coach is good enough to, to then, if he's knowledgeable and he's passionate and he loves it, that'll rub off as well. And then you just marry the coach and the, the, the pupil or whether it's a boy or a girl, um, together. And then you're on to a winner, in my opinion. And was coaching something you always saw yourself going into? Uh, probably not when I was left forced, left home to go and make a career. Obviously, I was very tunnel vision as a kid and thought all the girls going playing the Premier League and then getting moved to Celtic and stuff like that. But obviously, the setbacks come, the different things in life uh, happen. Um, and I suppose probably wasn't to later on in my career, um, probably something we started looking at and I just got a passion for it and just love it. Do you have any sort of personal goals for yourself in terms of your coaching, Patrick? Do you, do you see yourself coaching at the top level one day, being a manager, or are you just sort of taking it as it comes? Uh, well, at the minute, obviously, the manager here, um, who also played at Falkirk, Stephen O'Donnell, is one of my best friends. So ultimately, short-sighted, no, I don't have any ambition to be a manager myself at this moment in time. I'm obviously, we're on a journey as a staff together. Ultimately, he's leading the, the mm -hmm. staff. Um, and I'm 100% behind him. But from to go and coach at the highest level, um, as either a coach, an assistant, whatever, 100%. Um, I'm obsessive. Like, I'm, like coaching now is the same as football was to me when I was 12 to 22 years of age. It's mm -hmm. everything to me. Um, apart from, obviously, my fiance and I'm marrying and my family and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for it's, it's, I'm obsessed with it, about getting better. Um, uh, and something I lost as a player. Um, but I, I have that and I'm able to now refer back to me journey as a player and the setbacks and the 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 lack of discipline at times, the lack of desire to improve. I'm able to it's relatable now on, on, on this side of the fence. <laughs> Patrick, just going back again to your time at Falkirk, um, your final appearance for the club was the Scottish Cup final in 2009. Um, yeah. A massive occasion for the club, considering 
they haven't won the cup since 1957. Um, can you tell us a bit about the build-up to the game and how you were feeling in the run-up to it and also how it felt walking out in front of 50,000 fans at Hamden? Uh, yeah, no, the week we played in Vaness, um, I think it was a week or 10 days before, which was a massive game as well to stay in the division. We beat them and then we went down to Sunderland and had four four days down there, I think. So the preparation had started for the the actual final. So um, obviously it's hard then because lads, if they're going to miss out, obviously the manager and the staff had to manage that if they weren't starting. Then even lads not been in the squad, which is which is very hard to deal with as well. But uh, no, it was quite relaxed down there and we went and we got a meal and we went out for a bit and we were down there as well. Just take your mind and the, the pressures away from it. And then when we came back up, um, I think on the Friday, or maybe it was, uh, we went to the hotel. Um, I think everyone was just excited. I, I, I was excited. I wasn't, Obviously, a bit apprehensive, but I wasn't nervous going going into the day because uh, the weather was forecast to be good. We felt that we, in terms of in possession, we'd be uh, very strong. That we'd probably match them in terms of on the ball. It was the other side of it when the ball turned over. Um, they had quality players. Were they going to punish us? Could we ride our luck in the the big moments when? they were having their 10-minute spell or 15-minute spell and then could we score when we were having their spell, which ultimately we couldn't. Um, and they probably, we were the better team first half and then came out second half and they uh, they sucker punched us and scored and then we just weren't good enough to, to break them down and they just so much experience and to know how, how to win big games, probably something we, we lacked. Um, and that was probably the the difference on the day because if you watch the game back and you took both sets of jerseys off you wouldn't know who was who on the day they didn't batter us we probably had more of the ball at times than they did so the actual game in play game um, there wasn't much between the teams but then the other factors come into play the know-how the experience the the backing they had the expectancy all that was we didn't go there expecting to win. We went there hoping to win and thinking we could probably win, whereas they expected to win. A lot of our listeners will be going through having to make big decisions like you did, moving over to Scotland, what teams to go to, what teams to go and play with. What were some of the factors that you sort of took into consideration when you were choosing which team to play for and what move to make at what time? Yeah, it's 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 hard because when I was leaving Arsenal, I could have stayed in England, I could have went to Doncaster or Blackpool. Um, and in hindsight, if I was to do my career again and was given the option, I'd probably stay in England. Um, I probably went up to Scotland because the manager... Stephen, who's manager here at St. Pat's, we were at Arsenal together, played underage in all the way up with the Irish underage national team. He had gone up to Falkirk and he said, Listen, come up for a week, see what it's like. 
Um, went up and I, I suppose I grew up a Celtic fan and that was probably a big pull thinking my mindset at the time would have been I can go to Scotland and get moved to Celtic now I lost that mindset and ultimately when I look back on my career I wasn't good enough um, but if I could do it again I'd probably I'd change some of the decisions um, but then you can counter that and say you, you mightn't get of start on your coaching journey. If I hadn't gone to Falkirk at that time, would me and Stephen still have been a uh, really good uh, friends? Would he have brought me in as his assistant? So like, yeah. It's, but from a playing point of view, um, not that I didn't love being at Falkirk. I did love it. Um, some of the best memories of my life. But I think I would have stayed in England, England longer if I, I could do it. At the time, Doncaster and Blackpool were both in League One in England. They both ended up becoming sort of championship clubs, stuff like that. And it, um, yeah, it's hard. I don't know. You just go with your your gut, and ultimately, I do think you get what you put in. Really, in, in life, obviously, there's other factors and there's luck. But when I look back on my career, I, I got what I deserved um, from the different spells during me. Uh, career but it might have went differently if I had of uh, went to Doncaster or Blackpool but I don't I don't have regrets over it but um just because it'd be a different experience I'd probably do it differently. <laughs> Patrick, just throughout your career, you've, you've obviously mentioned you played for a, a lot of clubs and a lot of big clubs. You've touched upon Arsenal and uh, time at Hibs and uh, St. Johnston, uh, Falkirk, teams like that. You've mentioned some of the players you've played with. One of them that stuck out for me was Patrick Vieira. Who was the best player you've played with? Maybe it was someone during your time with the youth ranks with Ireland. Um, uh, the best player I've played with, no, I never actually played in the first team with Vieira. I've trained with him, so when I was fortunate enough and blessed enough to, to make me appearances, he wasn't actually playing, and I think he'd actually left the club at the time. But in terms of the best player I've ever shared a pitch with is um, definitely uh, Seth Fabregas. It have to be just in terms of intelligence, um, just a different level. Like, just not from a technical standpoint, just his brain. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just having this conversation with Stephen. It's something he brought up the other day about like how kids probably in Ireland at 12 to 16 or whatever, probably as good, the top ones are probably as good as any of the kids in Europe. But then we were just talking about like when the elite level, you have to be exceptional at, at something. Um, and I was never exceptional at anything in terms of, like I was probably a good passer, probably off good um, awareness good but nothing exceptional to really and then like you, the likes of Fabregas his spatial awareness his brain exceptional like I mean as he proved it's world class whereas other, like he wasn't the quickest in terms of people would be shocked by his pace stuff like that but just his brain and then his touch like it I don't know, it's very hard to explain just the spatial awareness. You need to train against them or, or play against them to really realise that, oh my God, this boy is a genius. 
Was he coming up through the youth ranks or a similar team to yourself? Yeah, well, he came in. I was there. They brought him in from Barcelona. And then we would have played in the reserves together. And then uh, would have trained with him with the, the force team and, and stuff like that. Um, when I was fortunate enough to train with them. Um, yeah, just just a different level. Um, and you look play a similar position to yourself then. You must have been thinking, yeah. oh, no, when you saw him coming into training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, probably then, I suppose when you train with them, like, you're probably thinking in your head, I'm going to get tied to you here. Like, you know, because you're competitive at that age. Well, at any age, you should be. Um, and you're thinking, I'm going to get wired into you here. But you couldn't get near them. I honestly just, in terms of not getting caught on the ball, and just, just masterful. If you're teaching any young kid regarding the central midfield player and anything like that, it, it's what they're doing in Spain to teach spatial awareness. Because ultimately, the technical side of it, yeah, you need to be technically competent. And obviously, the level Fabregas player that you need to be technically world-class, which he obviously was, but where he was exceptional was his brain. Did you, did you ever train with Henri? Was he at Arsenal when you were there? Yeah, yeah, I would have been fortunate enough to train with with Henri, yeah. Um, how, how good was he? He's just on another level as well. Ah, uh, yeah, again, like obviously just quick. I, I wasn't the quickest player, so obviously he's so quick, so explosive and just so good. He was just in that moment in his career where like you'd go and watch the force team on a Saturday and like he was making opposition players that are playing in the Premier League look like kids. <laughs> Do you know, he was just that just on, on autopilot and just everything he'd done was just, he just, obviously just had so much confidence and was so assured of himself. Um, again, had ex- what was he exceptional? He had exceptional pace. He'd an ex- he was an exceptional finisher. Um, he'd so many things that were exceptional. Ultimately, that's why at that time he was probably top three best players in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, never mind in England on, on the planet he was. Moving forward, um, have you got a start date yet for the for the league with St Patrick's? Yeah, we start Friday night, so we're playing the league champions Friday night. Um, so that'll be the our, technically our fifth game of the season. So uh, a massive game and for us. Um, so yeah, something really looking forward to, but also you're apprehensive as well, but more so excited. It's mm. natural to be apprehensive as well. Good to get back to it though, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I think it puts it in perspective as well, the whole pandemic and being away from something you love for for the the few months um, for the lads that are playing to, to really appreciate that they're getting paid for um, for something they love doing and just got to have massive gratitude for that even though on their journey they are going to get setbacks as a, as a player and us as a staff, the manager and the staff under them. We're obviously going to get setbacks as well as a staff, but have to remember that we're, we're, we're privileged. What's the goal for Friday and the rest of the season after the break? Is it hit the ground running, and or is it easing yourself back in and seeing how it goes? Ah, um, well, it's a sprint finish now because there's only fourteen games, so they've cut two rounds of games off the season. So mm-hmm. it's like. As if, as the manager highlighted today in training, it's like as if we've played 22 games. 
um, and there's 14 left. So it's a sprint finish now, and um, not the the aim is to try win as many games as possible. We're not going to say we're going to finish X, Y, or Z. Um, in the table, that obviously will stay in house, but now ultimately to enjoy it and get as many as many points as possible uh, on the board and have it have it togetherness and sort of build an environment. Actually, puts a great great importance on the games that do that do remain. Then, um, if there's fewer games to play, there's fewer opportunities where you can sort of slip up. I suppose. Yeah, d- yeah, definitely. Um, don't get me worried now. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, obviously there is. So like, um, yeah, yeah, there is. But we just have to give ourselves the best chance and make sure we're prepared and there's enough detail for the lads going onto the pitch. And then ultimately, it's 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 up to them to do the job uh, on the pitch, which the manager and us as a staff. Have a have full belief in, in in the group, most definitely. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for your time. Uh, some really brilliant stuff in there for young coaches coming through, and really, really interesting to hear about your career. Uh, so we really appreciate your time, and, and thank you. All the best for the season ahead. Yeah, no, th- no, thanks very much. No problem at all. Um, I just hope that if anyone can take anything from it, um, that's the main thing. And I'd just like to re-emphasise as well, there's no right or wrong either. I'm not saying I'm right. Um, and I'm not saying I'm wrong. We're just, that's just air beliefs as a, as a staff at uh, St. Pat's regarding how we want to, to coach. And we're obviously inexperienced, so we're finding our way as well. Thanks very much, Patrick. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Falkirk Community Trust, Trust Us podcast. Tune in again next week for our next episode as we welcome another guest to take a fun look at sport and physical activity.